with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Yes, the first show of the week after the holiday yesterday. Alan Wishart in the host chair, Steve on the board. Morning, Alan. Hey, he actually spoke into the mic this time, so just waving. Okay, there's the wave. Um... It looks like we're through the cold weather. We've got a little bit of snow out there, and we've got some more snow in the forecast. But uh, let's get the show underway. Um, talking with uh, Neil Sedgwick, who is the women's soccer coach up at UNBC. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Alan. Now, I guess in some respects, this you're doing probably right now what you would normally be doing in the middle of February in a regular season, isn't it? Aren't you? Well, training indoors, yeah, that would be that's what we're typically doing. Um, we are looking typically looking forward to a few games in March mm-hmm. after after a good uh, eight to nine weeks of training, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen this year, unfortunately. But yeah, we're we're indoors and we're um, you know around this time of the year we're focusing on on techniques and small mm-hmm. games, and that's really what we're limited to right now. Now, are all of your players on campus now? Because I know a lot of the courses at UNBC, of course, are being offered virtually so that students don't have to be on campus. But are all of the players you've got on campus? Yeah, well, there's uh, our first years are living on campus. And the, um, uh, all, almost all of the returners, I think all but two, are back in Prince George and studying. I think oh. they... You know, they wanted to be in their their academic, their study environments, in their houses or their apartments where they're comfortable. So they all returned. So now, you have the one thing I have noticed because we keep getting press releases the same just about every week. Mm-hmm. Is you're still doing an awful lot of recruiting. Yeah, that's one of the things with um, college athletics that uh, never changes and <laughs> never stops. Yeah, we're still. Still recruit, still recruiting, and have uh, have a few recruits that have that have committed to coming in next year, and uh, we're excited to have have them join us. So, now, recruiting must be a totally different kettle of fish, if you will, right now with COVID, because you a well a you can't go out and watch the players for the most part, and b you don't even really have that much um, game footage to go by. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, it has been interesting. The I've seen a few of them live, um, but they were obviously younger when um, when I watched them play live, or if they were on our campus within a um, within a college prospects camp. Of course, one, so Hannah Baines is from Prince George, so I've seen her seen her quite uh, quite often. Um, but there's certainly a few that I've I haven't seen play um, in person, and, mm-hmm. and haven't really spoken with them in person apart from. You know what we all do right now, and that's on on Zoom. And so we've had those conversations, and uh, but I've got a good judge of uh, who they are from from people that uh, they're around them, and I have a good idea of what they what they play like from the film that they did have and they did collect and send send through to us. So if you if you've got somebody who just came out of high school, and let's say the last time you saw them was a couple of years ago, maybe when they were in like grade ten or grade eleven. Have there been any of them where you talk to them by Zoom or whatever, and you're suddenly going, "Wait a minute, you're a lot taller than I remember." <laughs> um, no, that that hasn't ha- that hasn't happened. Um, that hasn't happened. I haven't asked them to stand up on Zoom and take a take a measurement. Yeah, um, but yeah, that I mean that certainly uh, uh, certainly happens within those two years before before they leave high school. There's 
there's a lot there's still continued continued growth so they might come in uh, um, a little bit taller you never know so now right now the players who you've got on campus who are practicing these are sort of then the core of the 2021 uh, team correct yes correct correct starting because you guys usually start play i want to say end of august normally yeah, we would have our preseason through August and exhibition games and then start our season in August. So uh, this group that is in training with us now is the group that would have played last season, mm-hmm. uh, with a couple of exceptions, who have, um, a couple of uh, student-athletes who have graduated and, and left the city. But most of the, um, the, the players that would have been there last fall are um, still training together now. Now, with last season just being lost completely, no games or anything, are the players being given an extra year of eligibility if they want? Yeah, they didn't. They didn't lose this uh, this past year of eligibility, which was which was fantastic. Um, which means that if uh, you know down the road, I mean, Canada Canada has five years of eligibility, so. Um, so some of these student athletes now now are really you know looking at six years of study. So mm-hmm. it certainly doesn't take most of them six years to finish their degree. But if they if they choose to do something um, um, after their undergrad, then then they have eligibility left where they can continue to play. And if I remember correctly, I think the eligibility as well as maintaining grades in your classes is you have to play you have to be attending a certain number of classes each semester. Is right? Correct. That's correct. Yeah. So if they know they've got that extra year of eligibility, they may look at saying, okay, I don't have to take, like, you know, five courses every semester. I can spread it out a little bit more. Yes, of course. And uh, and they, a lot of student-athletes have done that, even with the five years of eligibility. Mm-hmm. They've kind of finished in four and a half years <laughs> and, and spread it out or finished over five years. Um and this year, there are some exceptions with uh, with regard to the courses, course requirements. Um, but uh, but yeah, in general, they know they have that extra year of eligibility, and if they wish, they could uh, they could take fewer classes per per semester um, if they didn't want to use that eligibility in sort of um, post grad work. So right now, there's no games being played, as you mentioned. So they're just practicing. Are there still the eligibility requirements? Like. If they do not maintain their grades, can they be held out of practice? And um, well, if they're, um, I mean, that would be our our decision, yeah. really. Um, but if uh, this year with U Sport, there is um, there there's certainly eligibility requirements, and there's the, um, but there is this is a bit of an exceptional year, of course. Mm-hmm. So student athletes have a. Um, some they don't have to necessarily take the full load of, of courses this this year, um, and uh, but you know we we're fortunate we don't run into academic uh, academic mm-hmm. issues really with our student student athletes. I mean that's one of the things that that's absolutely fantastic about about UNBC and about this group of student athletes that I work with on a regular basis is academically they're they're exceptional. So now. Talking to the first-year players, the players who are going to be going into their first year in September, where have you been recruiting from? Like, have you been finding yourself recruiting more inside BC than you more normally might? Well, uh, yeah, our class for 2021. Um, I mean, they are essentially made up of um, of uh, prospects from um, 
from British Columbia, mm-hmm. although we've had contact from him. We receive a number of videos and emails on a regular basis from, from outside of the province. Um, uh, but really, this, this class is, um, is from, primarily from British Columbia, apart from um, uh, a little bit of perhaps international, international mm-hmm. flavor that hasn't been released, so I won't speak to okay. that yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then, strangely enough, then your team is BC and international. You don't have a lot of players from elsewhere in Canada. That's right. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we do. We do have some from Al- Alberta mm-hmm. um, right now. Of course, Sophia was here from San Francisco, a bit of mm-hmm. international, uh, but she's graduating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's a really uh, a great deal of British Columbia, and then and then of course we get interested quite often from um, from Alberta. Yeah. So you were saying you've been getting videos and stuff from players. How long have you been at UNBC now? I know it's been a while. Yeah, it's been. Um, I don't remember the first the the first actual year, but it's been five five years now. It would have been five seasons if we had a season last year. So, um, I think February was around my start date. Okay. So this could be this could be five years. Yeah. yeah. So when you were starting, did you get as many videos and stuff from players? Like, <laughs> did you get players who wanted to come to UNBC rather than you going out and recruiting? Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great question, Alan, because the um, we would work uh, kind of summer camps, recruiting prospects camps with some of the other coaches. And a coach at uh, um, at a school like UBC would um, would would uh, talk about how they struggled keeping up with all of the emails that they received. And I think in my I think in my first year at UNBC, we received uh, five emails from from potential uh, student student athletes. So it's changed it's changed quite a bit. I think that's. Um, that has a, a lot to do with the reputation of the school. Um, it just become it's becoming more and more prominent. I mean, we do receive more from Alberta, but we, you know, Ontario. We get um, we get more and more um, emails from Ontario now. Um, and I think the 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 good word is that UNBC is a great place to study and get your education. I think that's that's across the country now. Now, is that one of the things you're finding when you're getting these emails from students from outside BC? Is that a lot of them in the email maybe even indicate what course of studies they're looking at, and they know that UNBC has that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a big part of the um, a big part of their email um, is a, is their academic interest, and uh, and that's that's important for us as well as coaches is that they they're just not sending out blanket uh, emails. We, we know that they've done their research and they, they know what we've done as a, as a soccer program, but they also know the academic program and that they've done their research about UNBC. And that, that really um, tells us that, that, uh, that, that this is a serious um, um, prospect. And, uh, and but that's most of, the, most of the emails that we receive now. Uh, we, they, they've done their homework and they, they find that UNBC is a great place to be. So right now, do you have players practicing who are basically finished with the program, but they're still just wrapping up their studies maybe this semester, they're graduating in April or whatever. Have you got some of them still practicing, even though they won't be with you in the next season? Uh, Not at the moment. We did up until December. Um, Mm -hmm. Mara McCleary McCleary and uh, Sophia Jones, they've... uh, 
they've gone gone home, Victoria and San Francisco, respectively. And uh, so they're they're no longer with us, but they were with us until December. Yeah. So they were there basically for the first semester. That's right. So the players you have now are the players who you will be taking into the 2021 season with with the additions that you can't talk about yet. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. Yeah. These so the players that are working working out now are the um, are those players that have been here for a few years, or um, you know the eight first-year players from 2020 who wow. haven't uh, obviously seen any time on the field with us within a, within a game, but they're, they're doing a great job and, and progressing, progressing incredibly well as, as players and doing their very best as first-year mm-hmm. college, college um, students. And they're, do, they're doing very well because obviously it's a completely different experience for them. Yeah. Now, obviously COVID protocols in place had the player did the players take fairly quickly to the protocols that had to be established around the practices and everything yeah absolutely I, uh, I think it's everywhere in their lives mm-hmm. now so, so going into our classroom or our environment was mm-hmm. uh, was simply just adjusting to those those protocols before um, December before the end of the first semester really there was um, Everything pre pre field was um, was very strict in the Northern Sports Center, and then when they were on the field, of course, soccer was soccer was open that they could uh, they could really play soccer. Mm-hmm. Now that's changed, and the, the physical distance um, restrictions. So um, we've had to be creative as coaches mm-hmm. to not only just do individual techniques, but how can we create activities that apply those those techniques and still make it feel somewhat game-like. It's not exactly game-like, of course, no. um, but that, that there's some good learnings and uh, pleased with our our student-athletes. I mean, uh, the, the training sessions have been high energy. They've um, they've embraced what what soccer that they can play because they feel, you know, they, they feel fortunate that they can actually get out and play. And um, right now, some of them are in masks, some are not, even mm-hmm. though it's physical distance training. So mm-hmm. that's everyone's preference and, um, uh, but they've they've embraced the training and and the energy has been fantastic. So now, how many players do you have out? Like, if if all the players made it to a practice, how many would you have mm-hmm. on the field? I believe we have around twenty four wow. in in Prince George. We typically get um, sixteen sixteen to eighteen players at mm-hmm. um, at the training sessions, and that's because of class schedules yeah. and um, and work and all sorts of other things that are. That are considered, and we've we've told the student athletes, as have um, uh, the other coaches, that that this training really well for for us. It's really optional, and um, you know, if they felt if they didn't feel comfortable, then they um, they didn't have to attend attend training sessions. And we wanted them to feel comfortable. This is a difficult time, um, but most of them are feeling feeling good about coming out. And if they're not, then we do we try to create an individual environment for them where they can they can still work out. And having that many players, I think, has also changed from when you started. Because if I remember correctly, when you started, there were times when you would be practicing over at the uh, soccer fields on 18th Avenue there, mm-hmm. and you would be going into a game situation, and you would either have to play like nine-on-nine, nine, or else you would have your full team, and you would have to recruit players from like the, the women's league to come out just so you'd have enough players to actually play a scrimmage. That's, yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Players. <laughs> yeah, we're we're fortunate. Um, I think we had eighteen players the first the first season, mm-hmm. and 
we would have had approximately 32 on our roster, uh, which is very much like the men's the men's team yeah. has been for the last few years. We would have had 32 in this past uh, season. It'll probably be somewhere around the same same next year. Um, and again, I think it is part. The big piece of that is there's just more um, more student athletes or prospects that are reaching out to us and want to be at, want to be studying at UNBC and um, uh, and the quality of the 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 player of that uh, the athlete of that student athlete piece is is getting better with each with each year and uh, and of course they're keeping such high academic uh, um, standards that. Uh, that the student, they're coming here for the right reasons. They're not, uh, they're not here just for soccer. They're here to, to study, and uh, so it's been, it's been a great environment. Yeah. So, Neil, um, I assume we're going to be seeing some more press releases coming down from UNBC as you get more players uh, signed up. And, yeah, so just wish you all the best, and I guess we also have to keep an eye open for when they release a schedule for this next mm-hmm. coming season. Yes, we're all we're all keeping an eye open for that because we haven't we haven't seen it. Yeah, um, yeah. So hopefully we can keep Rich Abney uh, busy up there and um, keep keep having him release these uh, these these recruits. Yeah. Neil Sedwick, the women's soccer coach up at UNBC. Thank you very much for bringing us up to date. Thank you, Alan. Okay, take a quick break and be back with more after nine. Join us each week for Music and the Spoken Word, featuring the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, the longest-running, continuous weekly network broadcast in the world, celebrating over 90 years on the air. Each episode features modern and traditional arrangements of spiritual, patriotic, classical, and contemporary music, and a timely, inspiring message. Music and the Spoken Word with the Tabernacle Choir. Now at 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hello from Tops and Bottoms. We are now seeing our clients by appointment only. Please wear your mask too since the fitting will not allow for much social distance. To make an appointment, please visit our website topsandbottoms.ca or Google us and find the book link. You can also call the store at 250-614-1553. Tops and Bottoms at the corner of 2nd and Victoria. Make your recycling chores more convenient with R3 Recycling. R3 is an inexpensive, stress-free way to recycle your plastic, paper, cans, and more, reducing your weekly waste disposal load. Simply separate and clean your recyclables, then R3 will pick up from your curbside, front porch, or garage, whichever works best for you. It's less than $10 a month with bins included. Commercial rates are also available. Operating in the Prince George area for more than 10 years, R3 Recycling. Call 250-963-9073 today. Forecast from Environment Canada. Periods of snow ending late this afternoon, then cloudy. Wind from the southwest at 20 this afternoon. Temperature steady near minus 4 with a wind chill to minus 13 this afternoon. Partly cloudy tonight with a low of minus 15. For Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud. Wind up to 15K. A high of minus 5 with an afternoon wind chill to minus 13. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station. 93.1 CFIS-FM. Back and uh, Steve and I are going to spend a little bit of time now still talking sports. We're going to shift from the soccer pitch to the hockey rink. Well, I guess the hockey rink, uh, the NHL. Um, Reg Fair and I did um, the talk show. What's it called? The Thursday night show. 
You don't know the name of your I show? I cannot remember. It's not Thursday. On Thursday, I know the name of the show. But it's our sports talk show on Thursday evenings. And there were 14 NHL games scheduled for that night. There was only 10 of them being played. Four of them were postponed because one of the teams involved in them was suspended for COVID. For COVID. Now, with a couple of the teams, the NHL this year has a special COVID list of the players who are out because of COVID. They're not, they haven't all tested positive. Mm-hmm. They may have been in close contact with somebody. There's a number of different reasons why they may be on the list. But they are making that list public so that people know John Smith is not playing tonight, not because he's got an injury. It's because either he tested positive for COVID, and it may be a false positive, or he was in close contact with somebody who tested positive, so he has to sit out. So it's protocol. Yeah. So it's the protocol, and I think that's good for the fans to know as well. I think so. But I was looking at the list last week, and there were a few of the teams that were sitting out that had like six or seven players listed. I think it was New Jersey had 14 players listed. Yes, they've had yeah. a rough go. And then you looked at the Canadian division, one player. He was um, from Edmonton. I cannot remember his name right now. He had tested positive. They had taken the players who sat near him on the team bus or whatever, because I think they were on the road at the time, and they had all tested negative. And again, I think they were going to give all of them a test again just before the game, just to be sure. But they didn't have any of them listed as being out. So he was the only one player on all seven of the Canadian teams. Okay. And the week before, there was one player. That was the guy who had just been traded from Columbus up to Winnipeg. So he was still in his two-week... Oh, he had to do the quarantine. <laughs> yeah, two-week isolation. It was just protocol, yeah. that was. That was yeah. Dubois, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he had not tested positive or anything, but he was in the isolation stage. So... And that's the thing is most hockey fans, I think, when they look at the list, most of these things, the teams have not been afraid to talk about how many players they've got and even possibly what the reason is. Like even Ottawa earlier this season when they had the four players who had to sit out for, what was it, four games or whatever because they'd had a party, the team didn't pull didn't pull any punches. They didn't try to hide it or anything. They said, yeah, these four guys... They're all out for the next four games because they broke the protocol. Yeah. So that's great. And again, yeah, you've got – it is going to be interesting. Um, Vancouver, with their game last night, which they lost in overtime, have now played 19 games. One of the American teams, I want to say it was Dallas, has only played nine well, you got Dallas, Jersey, and Florida that are all yes. behind everybody. Yeah. Tampa is starting to catch up because Tampa and Florida were real slow getting going because, of course, some of their games were against each other as well. Against each <laughs> other, yeah. But, um, no, but it's going to make it interesting as you get nearer the end of the season. Well, they got to start, I mean, like the makeups. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to pile up. Yeah, and yet the problem is the NHL had already condensed their schedule to a large extent because they're playing, what, 56 games? Does that sound right? 56. And they were doing it in like 113 days. So it's basically a game every two days. Well, now Dallas has a whole bunch of makeup games. 
well, you've either got to start having them playing three games in three days on a regular basis, or you've got to say, okay, we're going to tack an extra week onto the season. Yeah, you can't do three and three. No. no. You might be able to do it once, oh. but any more than that, and then you would have to make sure the team got a few days off as well. Yeah, three and three, that's... Yeah. But um, they may have to look at tack- they may have to look at putting an extra week at the end of the schedule just to make these games up. Well, if we if but, we keep shutting it down, we're going to be going into June. I think they are already figuring the skip. I think the playoffs are scheduled to start in June. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. getting into June. Yeah, but what happens if it keeps going the way it is? Where Canada, the Canadian division, doesn't have any backup games really. I think they may have one or two, but that's it. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to have any backup games, so they're going to be finishing the schedule on schedule. The American divisions, or at least one of them, there's a good chance they're going to have to play an extra week yeah. in the regular season. Mm-hmm. But what do you do now with the playoffs? For Canada, the Canadian teams, do you start the playoffs when they're supposed to and end up with your divi- with your division champions sitting around for a week no, while the you others don't catch wanna, up? you don't want to sit, though. No. You don't want to sit. But you, And the thing is, you also don't want to sit them for a week at the end of the regular season and then start the playoffs well, when the other guys 56 do. 56 games and yeah. then playoffs, yeah. There there's can't be any sitting around for a week or a no. week and a half. No. And again, this was something Reg and I just sort of touched on a little bit on Thursday evening, post to post. That's the name of the show. Oh, you yes. remember the name of yes. your show. Yes, I'm, I'm amazing that way at times. <laughs> we were ch- chatting a little bit about this, and the one thing we agreed they might do is the Canadians, the Canadian division, let's say that's the scenario. The Canadian division finishes on time. All three of the American divisions need to put an extra week onto the schedule just to do their makeup games. The Canadians may start their playoffs maybe a day or two later than they normally would on a regular schedule, and they may space those games out a little bit more to make up that week that they're going to be waiting for or the Americans give, to catch up the with them. Canadian teams an opportunity to have two, maybe three practices yeah. before they start, Yeah, which uh, I mean, has gone by the wayside yeah. with the short season. But rather than take a week, either at the beginning of the playoffs or at the end, and just sit around... Just space everything out a little yeah. bit more. Yeah, because it's going to take a little longer down south there. Yes. Yeah. Although, and the funny thing is, again, though, some of the teams down south haven't had any problems at all. No. There's just a few of the teams, and it will be interesting to see as we go along whether those teams clean their acts up. Because we saw that with the NBA in their regular season, beginning of the regular season. Mm-hmm. They had a fair number of games being postponed because the players just didn't seem to have gotten it through their heads. No. You got near the end of the season, all the games been made up, and there were no problems going into the playoffs, no problems at all in the bubble. So it can be done. It can be done. What we are going to do right now is go to another break. We'll be back with more after 9. This March, take action and change the future for the estimated 70,000 British Columbians living with dementia. Take part in the Alzheimer's Society of BC's Breakfast to Remember. It's a virtual fundraiser featuring a keynote address with astronaut Colonel Chris Hatfield. Ticket purchasers will also receive exclusive access to the Society's research event on March 10th. The Alzheimer's Society of BC's Breakfast to Remember, 7.30 to 9, Thursday, March 4th. For more information or tickets, visit alzheimerbc.ca. 
CPA. Community Arts Council memberships are now due. In order to facilitate online renewals and payments, their website, studio2880.com, has been upgraded. You can now pay online by credit card or e-transfer. You will find the membership renewal page under the Gallery and Shop link at studio2880.com. If you wish to renew in person or by check, drop by the gift shop Tuesday through Thursday between 11 and 5, or you can send it by mail. Full details on membership options are available at studio2880.com. Adapting to our new digital world is not always easy. Connecting with customers who are currently unable to walk through your doors is vital. If you need a hand moving your business or not-for-profit in the right direction, the solution is already here. DER3 is a government-funded program delivered by Hubspace, which provides a no-cost, no-obligation evaluation of your digital presence with some of the best digital experts in northern BC ready to help you. The DER3 program from Hubspace. Visit hubspace.ca slash DER3 vous souhaitez apporter une contribution durable à votre collectivité et au Canada? Le recensement de la population approche et près de 32 000 emplois au recensement sont désormais à pourvoir partout au Canada. Ne manquez pas cette occasion de participer à un projet national. Les emplois au recensement de Statistique Canada sont intéressants, sûrs et gratifiants. Postulez maintenant ou parlez-en à un ami. Consultez le recensement.gc.ca emploi. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And a couple of events coming up in the near future in Prince George. One actually on Friday, and it's basically an all-day event. It runs from 10 until 6. It is a day of cultures. It's a cultural festival. Virtual Virtual. cultural festival. (laughs) Put on by Immigrant and Multicultural Services Society. A lot of people, of course, know them as just IMSS. But I always like to give the full name because it just it just rolls off the tongue so nicely. <laughs> they are, of course, hosting it as they host an event like this every year. And, of course, they've had to make some changes. They've had to face some challenges. But a lot of what's going to be happening sounds like what normally happens at their cultural festivals. They're going to have a fashion show. They're going to have some food cooking, cooking, cooking demonstrations. Unfortunately, of course, they won't have any taste testing taste that testing the people at home can do. Yes, uh, Traditional music and dances, uh, arts and crafts. So it's going to be a lot like their regular cultural festival. I have not got many of the details. They do have information on the website at imss.ca. And then the last time I looked, they just had a little icon right in the middle of the page called A Day of Cultures. And you just clicked on that and it took you to the page for all the information. And so I don't know whether they're going to have one stream for the eight hours and all of these things will sort of follow along or whether it's going to be more of a mainstream, shall we say, but then they may have a few other little streams off the side. Like there may be one stream devoted entirely to the cooking from different mm-hmm. cultures. And they may not run... A full eight hours, but they may have like half hour, 45 minute show on one type of cooking, take a bit of a break, have another one on a different uh, culture's cooking. Watch a little fashion show. Yeah. yeah. I can't see the fashion show going for eight hours. Are you in it? No. 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 This is how not to dress. <laughs> <laughs> no. So again, that's this Friday. Starts at 10, runs until 6. And you can get all the information you need by going to imss.ca and looking for the A Day of Cultures link. Now, another 
cultural thing, which we actually had a guest on last – two guests talking about last week. Uh-huh. We had uh, Norm Coyne and Cam Thun on talking about a movie that's being shot here. I guess it starts beginning of March. I don't think they gave us an exact date, but it was well, beginning they said of March. Right on, Norm said right on the 1st. Yeah. It's go. Yeah. And on the 1st of March, they're going to start shooting A Great North Christmas. But that's the way the music, the movie business works. You that's can't right. shoot the day off. So it's going to be interesting. And Norm's probably looking outside at the snow right now and going, okay, stick around for a couple of weeks. Perfect. Stick around for a couple of weeks. And then he's looking at the temperatures going up to like plus 70. He's going, no, 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 no. We need snow. <laughs> yeah, we need snow. But again, a couple of weeks from now, who knows what it's going to be like. I'm hoping it won't be minus 35 again. Well, I think we're going the other way. Yeah. Mild, mild. Yes. I wouldn't mind a little bit. Like, minus 10, minus 15, especially if it's sunny, is and nice. Wind. Yes. Yes. That's always the key. Um, but actually, again, just we'll get back to a Great North Christmas in a second. Um, my mom and I went out to my worth yesterday to have family day dinner with my sister and brother-in-law. The parking lot at Allway was pretty full. Was it? Big surprise. Big surprise. <laughs> yeah. A lot of trails, easy to keep your social distancing, and it was a beautiful day for skiing. Mm-hmm. But um, a great North Christmas, all going to be shot in Prince George, so it's not like some of these movies that have been shot here in the past where it's like a few scenes in Prince George, and that's it. And then that's it, yeah. Yeah. They are shooting, it's all going to be shot in Prince George and area. And area. Yeah. Because I think they mentioned that... There are a few scenes that are going to be at outlying areas, but yeah. but everything will be like if you watch the movie when it comes out in November, probably you know where you you'll are. be able to watch it, and you'll probably want to watch the movie twice: once to watch the movie, and the second time just to be going, okay, I know where that is, I know where that is. <laughs> Movies like that, and again, this is something they Norm and James Douglas have a lot of experience with now is you've got to figure out how to set up your shots because unless you're saying right from the word go that the movie is in Prince George, if you're setting it a sort of generic setting, shall we say, any town Canada, you can't get a lot of easily identifiable buildings that everybody knows are from Prince George. I mean, if you're from Prince George... And they're shooting a shot, say, up at UNBC, a scene up at UNBC. Everybody in Prince George will know where that is. Well, Norman Cam, they seem quite oh. excited about the Prince George aspect. Yes. You know? Yeah. Very excited. Yeah, I think they want to shoot everything in Prince George. I just, I can't remember if we if we talked at all about whether the movie was in Prince George mm-hmm. in terms of its actual setting or whether it was, as I say, any town, Canada. And so you don't want to have a lot of easily identifiable Prince George. Like, I, if it's any town Canada, I don't think you're going to have any scenes shot out by Mr. PG. Oh, no. No. Because that's just a little bit too obvious. obvious. Yes. But as I say, UNBC, beautiful campus, but you could shoot a scene up there and it would look like almost any campus across Canada. Mm-hmm. Within reason, but... There's a lot of campuses that probably look fairly similar. They're not as beautiful as UNBC. And it's on a hill. Yeah, because the coaches, 
who I've talked to over the years, when they get recruits, they say they'll get somebody who you know is interested in coming up to UNBC to play for the Timberwolves, whether it's basketball or soccer. And they say a lot of them, they make a visit here, they see the campus, they see the city, and they just fall in love. And they say, yeah, I'm coming here. And that's nice. But the campus is, it's just a beautifully laid out place. Well, and to have the forest for the world all oh, running behind it, yeah. I mean, that's a double. Yeah. And they did a great job. When they set UNBC up to start with, they made sure they had room to expand. So you're not having to shoehorn buildings in here and there. Mm-hmm. They added more buildings, but they've done it in a very nice, easy fashion where it just all blends together still. So that'll be something we'll be keeping an eye on in a couple of weeks when a Great North Christmas starts shooting in Prince George. Again, Norm and Cam, I think, were as clear as they could be. They were not looking to disrupt anything in the city. They may have to, with permission, of course, oh, close off a road city. or something yeah. to shoot some scenes. But for the most part, you'll know that ahead of time. And it's not like the city has to close down while they shoot the movie. No. No. Uh, we are going to go to another break and be back with more after nine. The Prince George Cougars, the Spirit of the North Healthcare Foundation, and Northern Health are once again offering the virtual Spirit of Healthy Kids School program. Entering its sixth year, the program is continuing this year online. The school with the highest overall level of participation could win a $5,000 grant. All schools with at least 50% participation will be entered in a draw for five $1,000 grants. Full details are available at pgcougars.com. Deadline for participating schools to qualify for grants Grant prizes is March 16th. Once upon a time, a man called Dave went camping in the woods. One night, a very big and very hungry grizzly bear came across Dave's little tent. What? A bear? Outside? Luckily, Dave knew from a book he read with his son never to keep his food in the tent, but outside it, high up on a tree. No! I never read that! Pity. The end. Easy, dude. Come on. You see, if you read more, you'll learn more. For more information, go to familyliteracyday.ca. Forecast from Environment Canada. Periods of snow ending late this afternoon, then cloudy. Wind from the southwest at 20 this afternoon. Temperature steady near minus 4 with a wind chill to minus 13 this afternoon. Partly cloudy tonight with a low of minus 15. For Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud. Wind up to 15K. A high of minus 5 with an afternoon wind chill to minus 13. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. The title of Audrey McKinnon's new exhibition of art is a sentiment that I think a lot of people can agree with right now. I miss your faces. And Audrey, I think this opened last week, didn't it? It did, absolutely. So now, it's at the Rusted Gallery, at Two Rivers Gallery, and I believe you had... Um, a live artist talk, which, of course, is what normally happens at openings, but it was a little bit different, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a little bit meta, because the show is about about missing people and, yeah. and only seeing them virtually. Um, and when I first, you know, pitched this show in the very beginning, it wasn't so much about that. Um, it was it was just about extending the paintings onto the wall. Oh. Um, and and we had planned on, on doing everything in person, as, as you would expect mm-hmm. to, but um, with the COVID limitations, of course, we had to do everything online. So we did a, a Facebook Live uh, of an opening and kind of did a virtual tour of 
the exhibit uh, just with images and and we had a, a stop motion video of me painting the walls um, and then I just talked people through it it was it was um it, I mean it added a kind of a nice element too and then there were things that obviously I still miss everybody's faces yeah. <laughs> so. and now how long has this exhibition been in the works then because it is it's basically just a series of portraits if you want to cut it right down to the basics isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah it is and i mean some of the paintings were done i think as long as three years ago most of them were done uh last year uh during covid Mm -hmm. and then some of them were done in in the lead up to that but the show itself i pitched um before a lot of these portraits were finished um i pitched the show uh to the rusted galleria before we had even heard about covid oh. and yeah um and and so we were going to do this thing where we we had these big portraits up and that was always the, the thing we were going to do and we were going to extend them onto the wall and then the meaning kind of just shifted over time as as covid was happening and i was painting these portraits and planning the rest of the exhibit, it started to evolve into uh, something that actually, you know, it, it was lucky that I was doing portraits at that time. Well, anyways, it was it, it really fit uh, with, with what we're going through right now. Now, the portraits that you ended up with, I understand, are of yourself, your family, and your friends. Was that the plan from the word go, or were you possibly going to have portraits just of other people in there as well? I wasn't really sure who I was going to include uh, as portraits. And so all those decisions, most of them were made um, during the pandemic. And some of them were like the reference images, because usually I'll, I'll meet with somebody and I'll, I'll snap a couple pictures with my phone, mm-hmm. um, really low quality photos. Um, and then I reinterpret those into portraits. But because I haven't been seeing people... Um, I actually scheduled some you know, video chats with friends and a family member in Mexico um, and and took screenshots while I was talking to them. <laughs> and so, um, so that was interesting. And then also the, the portraits of myself. Obviously, I don't miss my own face. I've been seeing yeah. way too much of it. But uh, <laughs> that was just a screenshot from a TikTok video, which also felt really appropriate for COVID because I think me, like a lot of people, I've been um, kind of coping with this through really shallow means like, you know, scrolling through TikTok. Now, when you were doing it this way, when you had the video chats with family or friends who you wanted to get a portrait for, did you sometimes have to ask them, okay, can you turn your head a little bit so I can get a little bit more of an actual profile shot? I did, yeah. I had to direct them, and it was incredibly awkward. (laughs) Yeah, because you're you're chatting with them. You're chatting with them. This is a nice, pleasant chat. We've actually got the chance to chat. Oh, by the way, can you turn your head about 45 degrees so I can take a picture? (laughs) Yeah, and then look back at me and don't smile. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, pretend you're getting a passport. Everybody always wants to smile, right? Pretend you're getting a passport picture. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now, when you presented... Um, the people at Rustad Galleria, and I'm not sure if you were dealing with George Harris or Megan over there at the beginning, um, when you said, I want to paint on the walls, what was their first reaction? <laughs> Uh, well, there was silence for a long time, <laughs> and I pitched it, you know, through the, the regular channels. Um, you know, you go through the form and everything on the, the page. But I had had some discussions with Megan uh, previously about doing an exhibit. We just didn't talk about what. Um, and then I, I did have this idea I wanted to extend onto the walls. And I thought, well, they might might just be nuts enough to let me do it. So, <laughs> um, to want to do all the work to paint over it afterwards and everything. So, um 
uh, yeah, I put that in there, and I didn't. I didn't get a response for a while because <laughs> I think they were they were taking some time to decide if this was something that that they wanted to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so are the paintings in the exhibition? Then are they framed, or are they just almost flat on the wall so that the extension onto the wall flows more easily? They are framed like a like a typical um, gallery quality. Uh, I think there's a better word for it than I just used, but um, framing of the canvas. It's not like a, a picture frame around it, yeah. but they do come off the wall. I think about an inch or an inch and a half. I think it is um, just on that frame. But I think they do blend quite seamlessly still with with what's behind it. Um, and I kind of like that, actually, you take it off and you still have this complete painting. Those paintings will still exist exactly the way they will. They, mm. uh, they already do. And then everything behind it is going to completely disappear, uh, which is probably my favorite thing about the exhibit. Now, when you were doing the portraits, did you always have to keep in mind, I need to do this as a portrait that can exist on its own, but I've also got to give myself a way to extend it? Um, I, I did the portraits really just focusing on, I'm doing these portraits on these on this canvas, and mm-hmm. this is a complete image to me. But it, it always, it, I mean, it never feels like enough room for me anyways. <laughs> I'm I, There is always an ability to extend, and that's really what I wanted to explore, is to be able to actually go and, and complete that. So I don't know if any painting ever really feels complete to me when it's on a square, to be honest. It always feels like, more there needs to be more now did you find yourself having that same problem when you started to extend the paintings like as you started to extend say the very first one you were doing were you reminding yourself no no i can't take up the entire wall with the extension of this painting um i really was just trying to um i wanted it to feel like it was part of the central painting Mm -hmm. um and I don't know, I kind of just went, like, freely flowed. I was actually really nervous about it leading up to it. I was like, what have I gotten myself into? Um, because I, I only had a weekend to uh, finish the extensions um, between hanging and then the opening um, and, you know, my day job. So <laughs> um, I was I was really nervous about getting in there and getting all that done uh, in such a short time. But I think, you know, once I get, uh, you know, behind a paintbrush, I, it just, it just flows really naturally, and you just lose track of time. And um, yeah, I was actually, uh, you know, completed really quickly, and um, and really happy with what what came out. I I wasn't didn't really have a really solid plan and what it would look like on the wall either. So um, I was pleasantly surprised with myself. <laughs> okay, Audrey, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk some more about I miss your faces after awesome. nine. Awesome. The Immigrant and Multicultural Services Society is hosting a virtual cultural festival on Friday from 10 to 6. It will feature arts and crafts, cooking demonstrations, a fashion show, a senior's dance, and much more. It's fun for the whole family, celebrating the cultural diversity of our community. For more information, visit the website at imss.ca and click on the A Day of Cultures link. A virtual cultural festival, Friday from 10 to 6 through imss.ca.
Prince George Crime Stoppers is now Northern BC Crime Stoppers. Coming off another record year, your local Crime Stoppers organization is geared up to receive tips from across Northern BC anonymously, 24-7, 365 days a year. Call 1-800-222-TIPS or make your submission online at pgcrimestoppers.bc.ca. Don't miss the next Community Shredded event Saturday, April 24th at the PGSS parking lot to dispose of personal documents safely and securely with Northern BC Crime Stoppers. Most everyone knows not to drink and drive, and that even small amounts of alcohol can be risky. But do we really understand that drinking small amounts of alcohol during the pregnancy can be harmful for our growing baby, even in those early weeks before the pregnancy has been confirmed? Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, FASD, is a lifelong disability that affects the brain and body of people who were exposed to alcohol in the womb. If you are pregnant or planning to be, please don't drink. There is no known safe time, safe type, or safe amount. We encourage you to see what's happening in your community to help reduce both the impact and the incidence of prenatal alcohol exposure. To learn more, please contact us at healthnexus.ca. Visit the bilingual FASD Ontario website or check out Canada's FASD Research Network. Spread the word. It's everyone's responsibility to help make pregnancies as healthy as they can be. Friendly phone calls are an important part of daily life for seniors living alone. The Prince George Council of Seniors Friendly Phone Calls program helps keep those isolated individuals active and connected to our community. If you're a senior looking for someone to talk to or a volunteer willing to make a few calls for a couple of hours each week, get involved. Call the Council of Seniors at 250-564-5888 or stop by the office at the corner of 7th and Victoria. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. So, Audrey, is I Miss Your Face is the first show you've done at Rustad? It is. It's the first show that I've done at the Rustad Gallery and the first one at Two Rivers. It was really exciting. Yeah. Now, with the idea of extending paintings, is that something you've done before at other exhibitions or anything like that? Yeah, I did. Um, there was a show that I did um, through the Omnica Art Space back when they were on Third mm. Street, still, mm. uh, still. and um, I had one central piece where I extended that onto the wall. And at that time, I was using spray paint, so <laughs> um, it was a little bit of a different style. Um, but I really enjoyed that process, um, and I that's that's what kind of gave me the thought I want to do even more of this and, and uh, you know, go all the way with this idea. So you were talking about the sort of the time crunch, if you will, for getting the extensions done. So you obviously then, I'm guessing, worked with the uh, staff at Two Rivers and got all the paintings, all the portraits up on the walls at Rustad Galleria and then started working on it. You didn't do it, let's hang this one, I'll do the extension, then we'll hang the next one? Um, no, yeah, we hung the entire show first, and so I worked um, closely with with Megan uh, in in doing that. And you know, she was sending me images as she was kind of deciding where she would hang things and saying, "Does this look good to you? What do you think about this configuration?" Um, and I I love what she did, which is um, you know she was kind of like, "All right, we're getting a little experimental with this," and Audrey's <laughs> extending these, so you know she hung one really high and she hung another one. The central piece off center, so um, she added this really interesting tension to the exhibit by doing that. And then when I went in, I got to respond to that uh, with the extension. So 
that was kind of a nice converse, conversation between us uh, over time. Now, do any of the paintings, the extensions especially, do any of them sort of flow into each other? Um, yes, there are two uh, that Megan, well, I should, there actually are other ones that kind of, um, I'll explain another one in a second, but there are two at, at the end of the gallery uh, that Megan said, I, I have to put these two together because the colors are so compatible. Um, and it's the portrait of my son and myself, the two faces I don't miss. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that was one of the ones she put higher up as well when she put the one of myself uh, at a regular height. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting way to use that wall. And because the colors were so married together already, um, yeah, I used kind of a, a pattern in the background that extended some of the figures that were used in both portraits. And they kind of merge together in the center and then extend up past. Wow. Um, yeah, so that was fun. And then another one uh, at the very end of the gallery on the other side, um, there's a little portrait called Pat Test for the Face, and that's of... <laughs> You know, a person getting the COVID swab up their nose and a very invasive <laughs> procedure. Um, and uh, there's kind of this um, material coming out from the back of the head. That's what I did on the extension. And I put blobs of that on the walls, heading all the way down the gallery as well, because I really felt like this is this is a way of saying how much COVID gets on everything, you know, in terms of yeah. the pandemic affecting everything and also just the infectiousness of of the disease itself. So when Megan was finished putting up all of, installing all of the works and you were all set to come in, did you get as many works up as you figured you normally would at a show at Brustad, even though this is your first one? Or did you say, no, we've got to cut down the number because I need wall space? It actually wasn't my choice. Uh, we ended up cutting one because, uh, you know, it was, uh, I mean, it was kind of planned together, but um, I had taken in another piece that is sitting in the back of the gallery right now and, and will not make it up onto the walls because there just wasn't enough room for it. Um, so, yeah, we were considering that we needed that extra space um, on the wall beha- behind in order for that really big impact. You want those extensions to be large and and to take up a lot of empty space on the wall, I think is, you know, has a lot more, creates more tension than just having piece, uh, pieces all kind of in line the way you normally would with the extensions. So, um, yeah, we did, we did cut back from what we had intended on putting up on the walls. So the pieces have been put up. Megan and her staff have put all the pieces up. You're coming in to do the extensions. Did you look at how much space there was left on the walls and go, what have I gotten myself into? (laughs) I absolutely did. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, more space is is exciting. I think I probably, uh, you know, I wouldn't have produced as, I wouldn't have liked what I produced as much if there wasn't as much space. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's, it's, it's the the classic, you know, what it feels like to look at a blank canvas. And, of course, you feel that on a huge wall in a gallery um, <laughs> where people are going to be walking in, uh, in in less than a week to come and look at them. Yeah, I was absolutely looking at all that space and thinking, well, I really hope I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and especially because you kept reminding yourself, people are coming in here in less than a week. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, well, it was really nice, too. Um, there was a, a kid's class being taught upstairs while I was painting it. So um, they ended up coming down, uh, you know, they were all masked up and everything and came and sat down behind me and 
and raided my pieces. And <laughs> I got a, a staunch thumbs down from one of the kids, and he told me how much he hated what I was doing. And um, I love I love that honesty from yeah. kids. It's it's my favorite. Um, but I heard that that later on he went upstairs and he was actually um, he was he was painting similar little figures, and he said he changed his mind. <laughs> now, did the person who was teaching the class give you heck later because the students were starting to paint on the walls? <laughs> oh, they didn't get to paint on the walls, no. No, no, I mean but, up in the classroom. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't think they got to paint on the walls up there either. <laughs> so, Audrey, is this the sort of show then, I guess it's sort of a bonus to some extent, when the show ends, I think that's what, mid March 14th, I think is the date that I've got? Um, yep, that's right. Yeah. Now, so when this show is over, you take down the portraits, mm-hmm. their staff comes in and paints over all of your other work on the wall, yeah, and you've basically got another show ready to go, even if you can't do the extensions, you can exhibit the portraits just on their own, correct? Yes, absolutely, yeah, and and I would, you know, I, I would really like to focus on, on getting more exhibits elsewhere as mm-hmm. well, um, kind of extending out into the region a bit more. Okay. Audrey McKinnon, I miss your faces on now at the Rusted Galleria until March 14th. And I'm just going to put in a little bit of plug. Best day to go is Thursday because it's, of course, free admission to the whole gallery, not just the Rusted Galleria, but also the feature galleries. And Audrey, thank you very much for letting us know what went into the making of I Miss Your Faces. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So, um... That'll just about wrap it up. We've got about a minute left to go. Uh, show tomorrow. And again, I don't usually like to preview my shows because you never know for sure if your guests are going to be available. But what I've got scheduled is somewhat... I've actually got two ladies who have been on the show before. I've got Emily Holmes, local artist and also a former UNBC uh, women's basketball player. And she's involved with Prince George Live, the event coming up on March 28th in support of the Community Foundation. And then the other person I've got on tomorrow is one of our, starting to be a monthly feature, I'm hoping, Kaylee Vandermeer from Books Books and Company coming in. And I think we're going to be talking about books, believe it or not. Yeah, I'm I'm getting a lot of what? You're going to talk to somebody from Books Company about books? Come on. What's the idea? But that'll be tomorrow, After 9. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita, with guest producer Neil Godbu of the Prince George Citizen. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. This is 93.1 CFIS-FM Prince George, proudly supported by community groups like the Heritage Free Presbyterian Church, 4020 Balsam Road.